All right, cool. We're live. Hi, everyone. Hello, everyone. Welcome from uh, the great indoors. <laughs> from Lenny's room. Um, How do you like my room? Yeah, your room is uh, it's fine. It's big, spacious. Wow. Okay. So I guess it's a nice place to be nice, yeah. quarantined in. I mean, you have a window. It's spacious. I have a big window, yeah. A lot of people don't have windows. That's true. I have yeah. a tiny window. Really? How big's your window? Like a quarter of yours? quarter of mine? That's tiny. I know, right? But I have a huge window. Um, so everyone who's been to Science Park, you know what's up. Large windows. They're not very windproof though. When it's cold, you can really feel a breeze coming through my room. Which wouldn't matter. Most of the time. Why not? Because I would be outside. Oh, right. I'd be living life, I'd be living it up like I always do. That's what <laughs> life used to be like. Yeah. Yeah. Not so long ago. No. Now I find it, I find it that I'm, I'm sort of even growing used to the quarantine. Mm -hmm. So it'll be time to go to the supermarket and I'll think, oof, I have to walk five minutes to go to the supermarket and then probably spend like 15 yeah. minutes at the supermarket and then five minutes back. Mm -hmm. It's bad because I think for a lot of people, myself included, a lot of people have tendencies to just be inside and like not interact with anyone. And now you have the government going like, yep, keep doing that. Like, don't talk to anyone, don't don't be outside, don't associate, you know? You were way ahead of all of us. Yeah, exactly. You already exactly. knew what it was all about. Exactly. Me, I've been quarantined since uh, I was 16. <laughs> no the rules. Okay, well. Yeah, so here we are, Momo It's the Big League Part 2. Um, it's April 2nd now. Uh, the first episode has actually only been uploaded today or yesterday. We had a, a wrong episode up for a bit, but that's gone now. Now we yeah. have the, the right version up. Uh, yeah, I don't know if uh, at the point of recording a lot of people have uh, listened to it, but yeah, you should check it out. It's, yeah. it's a nice episode. Check it out. It's very, you can listen to it whenever you want. It's not, it has nothing to do with any sort of immediate events. Uh, such as the ones that we're probably going to be talking about today. It's about homelessness. Homelessness. But today, um, we were struggling for a little while, for like a week, figuring out what topic uh, to choose. And then you just texted me out of nowhere once and said, forget public transport. We're going to talk about public transport. I think a huge crisis is coming. I think we need to talk about that. And, you know, I, I read that and I thought, well, fuck yeah. I, I, a really big crisis that seemed to be coming and it has been coming for years not only because of coronavirus and uh, it terrifies me because every night when I go to bed I, I, I think you're gonna graduate jobless yeah and that is it's definitely gonna happen I mean at least I'm not gonna have a job in the field that I studied for that's mm -hmm. for sure yeah so you know not that there's anything wrong with being a, a waitress I'm a waitress right now well I guess not not right now but you know I studied for four years at a university and I, I kind of want a job in yeah, the field yeah. and, and that's just not going to happen. No. No, I'm glad you agree. I, I've spoken to a lot of people about this. Um, there's a lot of optimistic people and that's great. That's fantastic. But that's not me. But that's not me. No, here's some <laughs> pessimism. Like, we're like about to hit a crazy fucking recession. Like, we're about <laughs> to see, because like, we're about to see, I think 2008, will will be much much smaller than what we're about to experience i really believe that because i think this is a financial crisis from the bottom up 
Like there is no input into the economy right now. And that system within which we operate is not made for that. Like just factually, I'm not commenting on whether that's a good thing or a bad thing or anything like that. I'm just saying yeah. that the system is not created for this situation. I would agree um, from the perspective that we had a financial crisis in 2007, a sovereign debt crisis in 2009, and we have not recovered from those, which means that like our financial institutions are, are just unstable. And on top of that, now we have a crisis in the real sector. Like a lot of economists call like, you know production the real sector because uh, finance is just bullshit. But it really is though. Word. Like making money out of money, that makes absolutely no sense. It makes no sense. Business. Uh, but yeah, uh, so it, it seems like it's gonna be pretty terrible. Um, you know, all this, uh, but the, a lot of people use this word, supply chains, right? Supply chains are being disrupted all over the world. I, I hear that's pretty bad. <laughs> Sound like Trump. I hear it's pretty bad. A lot of people have been using this word, supply chains. I call it products, okay? <laughs> um, so yeah, this this episode is about how the world is um, it's just it's, it's, it's terrible. It's <laughs> this episode is how the world is terrible. Yeah. Um, no, I'm yeah. I've been in this state of mind for the past few days that I've just been you know reading a lot of stuff, and I wanted to try to not only read about Corona. So I thought you know mm -hmm. let's, let's get into the econ news and see mm -hmm. see what's up, and it, it, everything was related to this. But I will say this thing though, even though um, a lot of people think that the crisis is due to coronavirus, it's not, it's not only due to coronavirus, this crisis was a long time coming. And if, even if coronavirus hadn't happened, in a year or two we'd be also in a recession. Uh, it's just been sort of accelerated or, or maybe the coronavirus was uh, like the match that lit the mm. fire, you know? What, what is this crisis? Like what is the crisis that you're talking about? Well, I think, um, so the crisis in 2007 sort of, um, how would I say this? We never really recovered from it. Right. The 2007 crisis was a debt-based uh, crisis. What had happened is that um, banks had realized that they could make more money out of money than they had ever done. Um, by selling, sort of selling the, the, the mortgages that they were, mm. that they were. Bond of debt. Yeah, so that that uh, that evolved into bundling bundling mortgages in packages and then cutting those packages so that they could be AAA rated by the agencies. Mm -hmm. That's um, uh, what was that called again? Yeah, securitization. I'm not sure. I'm not sure with the. I think that's with, it. With but the name for in it. any case, uh, yeah. So banks begin, you know, giving out loans and loans and loans and loans, which mm -hmm. means that the subprime mortgages is that the. Uh, yeah, well, subprime mortgages are mortgages that are not very safe. So right. they're, they're mortgages that you give to people with low income that might not be able to repay. Those are subprime mortgages. Right. What, uh, what bankers thought is if we pack these subprime mortgages with like really good mortgages, yeah. and then you know, like, we make these weird little packages and yeah, we slice yeah, yeah. them up, we're distributing risk. Yeah. And uh, everything's gonna be chill. No, nothing's ever gonna happen. We can just keep selling loans and loans and loans and loans. But of course, the more subprime loans that you have, the mm. riskier it is. Even mm. if you're disseminating the risk everywhere, and then everything just sort of exploded because um, what people did is that if you couldn't pay your loans, you would refinance your house. Usually, people got out loans to buy real estate. Mm -hmm. You know, because that's the it's, it was yeah, supposed to be like the, the one thing, thing. Yeah, that holds value over time. Form. You know. Exactly. So. 
all of this, uh, the prices of houses started to go up, 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 and everyone thought that it was impossible that the bubble would ever burst because real estate always goes up, and of course, that's not true. Boom, crash. Exactly. So all these mortgages that were backed by the houses mm -hmm. suddenly are worthless because mm -hmm. now the house is worth less than the mm -hmm. mortgage. Mm -hmm. so, and all these people that had these mortgages now lose their houses, but also still have to pay because now the payments mm -hmm. are more than the house, mm -hmm. you know? Which is actually a very unjust situation. Uh, sure. Because you, you you lost what you got the mortgage for in the first right. place, and now you still have to pay, even though you have the, you don't have the house. Mm, so that's, that's uh, yeah, that's bad. But the point is that they were financing consumption with debt, and you cannot do that mm -hmm. because it, the more debt you have, the more unstable your economy is. Well. Public, okay, public debt and private, public debt, public debt and private debt is different. Different, right? Yeah. Now we're talking just about people. Okay. And this this happened because since the so basically since we have like capitalism, we've been alternating between an interventionist capitalism and a free market capitalism, Jesus, right? Jesus, those are big words. So interventionist just just like any government, Sweden, government, any yeah, yeah, yeah. And like wealth, okay. welfare states, uh, and the government intervenes in the free economy. Free market is just full on U.S. U.S. U.K. sort of as well. U.K. sort of, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, it goes to different degrees, but um, mm -hmm. the the latest version before finance capitalism, which is uh, well, actually it's included in both. Is 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 sort of the the kind of policies that Margaret Thatcher and and Reagan passed, which mm -hmm. is what we all know as neoliberalism. Um, those policies included drastically reducing wages of workers, mm -hmm. which meant that people needed to finance their consumption through debt. So they it, it took more and more loans so or credit cards. Credit, card. credit yeah. cards are also debt, you know. Um, so that brought a lot of instability into the economy, especially with the bubble. Now, what happens after after the crisis? The governments, um, in our case, we're talking. I'm going to talk about the EU. The EU bailed out a lot of banks. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you bail out a bank, you hope that the bank will start investing responsibly to stimulate the economy so that, you know, things can, keep, get, get, can get working again, right? right? But that didn't happen. What happened was that a lot of these <laughs> banks decided to invest in real estate. This so, is after the crisis. Yeah, so they would they would buy up houses in, in London, which is, a, a, you know, a very good place to buy a house, I guess, because mm -hmm. the prices also supposedly always go up. Yeah. I guess Amsterdam is also a good city to yeah. buy a, a house in because it will yeah. always appreciate. Right. Um, so the banks were bailed out and they didn't invest in the way they should have. Um, and actually, maybe even it would have been better if the banks hadn't been bailed out and we and the governments would just invest directly themselves, you know, government mm -hmm. spending, mm -hmm. in, invest in education, invest in research and innovation, all those things to get the economy moving again. Mm -hmm. But no, they didn't. Instead, they decided to give all taxpayer money to banks and then banks mm -hmm. not, they didn't give that back to the people, mm -hmm. which is what they should have done. Right. So we're in that situation where our economy didn't develop well after after the crisis. Mm -hmm. Basically because the banks made investments that were equally stupid to the ones before or why? Like how is that related? Well because now we have, so because we still have a lot of um, debt, uh, private debt mm -hmm. in, in, in the Western world, a mm -hmm. lot of private debt, mm -hmm. um, which inherently causes instability because you don't know whether you're going to be able to repay or not. Right. Um, so that's debt during consumption, and then the fact that the economy was not stimulated, and it was not stimulated because we've had 
record low investment for a long time and the investment that has been made wasn't very productive. Mm -hmm. It wasn't put in the, in the important sectors in the economy. Mm -hmm. Such what as if, education... Or for example, the green transition. Right. That is something that, that in the EU a lot of... Uh, well, I, I like a lot of this European particle, DM25. You're familiar with it? Uh, very familiar. I was going to bring up the video that um, Varoufakis... Yeah, he did. Yeah, I saw that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, should, we, should, we should mention that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, DM25 and other parties... Chomsky had one too, by the way, but I had yeah. no idea what he was saying. I, I, was way I, too quiet. He I broke up the whole time. I didn't watch it, but he looked so old. Oh, that super old. Oh That's my really God. Sad. He was born yeah. in 28. 1928. Yeah, it's a long time ago. Yeah. I've seen. I always watch his videos, and I hadn't watched any any video recorded recently. When I yeah. saw how old he was, yeah. it made me really sad. Plus, he had like some sort of meeting with Varoufakis like three years ago. That's also on YouTube, and like very different. So yeah, so he's like yeah, yeah. Uh, there's also another one with Slavoj Žižek. Yeah. Um, it was it was really funny because he was just like in his living room and like talking to us like this. Uh, I think I think it was a Spanish reporter, and he's like. Can we not make this too long? <laughs> and then she's like, oh, well, okay, we, we only have about an hour. And he's like, no, that's still too long. Oh, I'll, I'll let you know when I'm tired. Oh, classic. <laughs> and yeah, I didn't finish the interview. But, uh, that rock star yeah. attitude. Yeah, totally. But so what was he saying? Yeah, so uh, green sector, just, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's something that if you invest in, you're going to bring a lot of jobs. Uh, and and it's, 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 it's necessary anyway, because we need, to we need a transition from mm. uh, fossil fuels to mm. renewables. So, you know, those sort of things. But... Okay, let's be real for a second, right? We both know that just, like, this is sort of like what I hear a lot from, from people, you know, whose politics are sort of guided by their feelings. And I'm saying this, you know, in, 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 a, in I'm trying to be nice, right? But just having, like, green investment is not going to change the whole system. Oh, of course not. Right? I mean, no. Um, no. Here's a, we have a dilemma in the sense that, ideally... Hmm. At least personally, I want an anarchist uh, society. <laughs> okay, that's, that's you heard my... it here first, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my politics, but I'm not stupid. Anarchy. I know there is no point in my life. Well, maybe when I'm really old, but there's probably no point in my life where I'm going to wake up in an anarchist society. That's not going to mm -hmm. happen. But the transition is still possible, and the in... transition to anarchy. Or a society guided by anarchist values, something like that. So, and in that sense, the Green New Deal would be a means to that end. Only a, a, only, only a small part of it. Only a small part of it. The Green okay. the green Deal, more than anything, is because of the environment. Like, that's just very urgent. We yeah. need that. Um, to transition to an anarchist society and economy, I mean, even saying anarchist economy, is, is it's, it's complicated because... It hasn't been theorized, and there are a lot of things that seem to not be compatible with yeah. that. Like uh, anarchists, a lot of anarchists would tell you that money shouldn't exist. Mm. Um, I don't agree with that. But we don't have a sort of coherent view in which to integrate right. money in an It seems inherently way. problematic, right? Yeah. If yeah. you don't have an authority that rules over people, then who. But you don't need I an guess authority. Bitcoin. The, 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 yeah, as well. I guess Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, there's a lot of papers that are, are looking at the possibility. Actually, my, I, I was going to talk about that in my thesis. But um, mm -hmm. there's a lot of papers that are looking into the possibilities of uh, blockchain technology and, and, and cryptocurrencies. Mm hmm. But um, yeah, that's not the point. So it's just that for for a real transition, you would need to change property regimes. 
So does private property exist or not? Or does ownership of the means of production exist or not? Mm -hmm. You need to change the monetary systems and the, and the financial system. How do, we, how do we finance ourselves? Do we want, uh, do we want interest rates, for example, or do we not? Uh, Islamic finance is, is relatively uh, well known for not having uh, interest rates mm -hmm. because it's considered unfair. Well, it, the, the way they do this is that um, the creditor and the lender this is how, this is what I understand. I'm not an expert mm -hmm. in Islamic finance, mm -hmm. so but shocking. As far as far as I know, um, you share profits and losses. You being who? You the bank and the lender. And the, yeah, and the investor. So and sorry, the, and the and the person who's asking for money, right? Mm -hmm. So you go to mm -hmm. the bank and you're like, yo, I need this. Um, and then then they'll be like, sure. Um, this is how much it's gonna cost, and then a part of your profits will keep. Oh, kind of but, like the American lawyer model. Where people will go to a lawyer and go, right. hey, you want to take like, this yeah, case? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you win, you get yeah. that share. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And then if you lose money, mm. then the bank will also... Oh, interesting. But how, what does that have to do with interest rates? Because there's no interest rate. There's no fixed interest rate. The, oh, way, oh, okay. the, way, the way this works this is, is that... So this is not about like national interest rates? Like, like, it's well, like so national interest rates are set by the central bank of an, of an economy, yeah. and then and then the banks sort of based on that rates mm -hmm. adjust a little bit upwards or a little bit downwards, mm -hmm. and they set their own rates. Mm -hmm. So the the rates of the banks are usually never going to be very different from the national mm -hmm. rates, mm -hmm. or in our case, I guess the the supranational rates, which mm -hmm. would be the EU's. Um, but the thing with interest rates is that if you take out a loan at a certain interest rate. It might happen that because of uh, price variations and the way the economy evolves, that in the end you're sort of paying more in real terms than what you had originally con mm -hmm. uh, contracted, which means that the government, uh, the government, the bank is making much more money than than they were supposed to, and you're making less money than you were supposed to. You know, uh, so it's unfair, and, and especially because, well, the justification from Islamic finance is because your interest is considered amoral, because you're making money out of money. You're not really making money out of anything productive. You're simply charging someone for having lent them the money, mm -hmm. and that is not considered fair. Really? Yeah. Mm. And I think uh, it, it, there's very long philosophical discussion uh, about this because the difference between an Islamic uh, finance and Islamic economics and our economics is that Islamic economics um, necessarily take into account society. Orthodox. Really? Yeah. So. The whole way where this, uh, again, I'm not an expert, this is just talking about what I've read. So what you're saying is you're an expert on the matter. No, I'm not. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the purpose of the economy in, this, in Islamic economics is very clear and that is to serve people. Mm -hmm. And no economic activity can happen that doesn't, at least in, in some way, mm -hmm. benefit society. And is that implemented by most banks in uh, like Islamic countries? That I don't know. I would assume no. Like, uh, yeah, I don't think in general. Hmm. Yeah, theory and practice are very hmm. different things. Right, but let, let's bring it back to the to the coronavirus. I still haven't really. So I understand. I understand from Varoufakis' uh, video, which you all should check out. It's it's really interesting what he has to say. Um, how exactly, what I didn't understand is how exactly is this crisis a continuation of the 2008 crisis more so than just something that would happen in any global capitalist society? Like, because Varoufakis definitely did link it to, and it's not just Varoufakis, but a lot of people are saying that 
um, this current situation is very much linked to the 2008 crisis. What exactly is that connection? Do you know? Yeah, I, I'm, do you know what he means by that? Um, no, I don't. Um, I assume. Well, I, I don't want to assume anything actually. But if it's not about it having permanently destabilized the economy, I don't know what he's referring to. But I think That's it must be it, something yeah. that, uh, along those lines. Yeah. It's just that we never recovered, and that mm. the foundations upon which we built our new economy mm. are not stable. Yeah. Do you think I should do an economics master's? I'm gonna do an economics master's. I'm thinking, really? Yeah, oh. I, 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 I did economics in PPLE. I don't think it was enough. Hmm. And the thing is, um, if you're gonna do an economics master's, do it in a heterodox university. A what? You have orthodox economic theory and mm -hmm. you have heterodox economic theory. Okay. Orthodox economic theory is what we would call mainstream. It's mm -hmm. what you learn in absolutely Ufa. every textbook. Yeah, it's what I learned at UVA. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Basically, everywhere in the world, this is what you're going to be taught. Mm -hmm. And there's really no other theory outside of the orthodox theories that mm -hmm. you will ever get taught. Interesting. Like when you even, even, the only one that you might see mentioned is uh, Marxism. Mm -hmm. And it'll usually be one of those think boxes in, in yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> like box 3.2.8. Also, Marx had an idea about this. <laughs> Let's move on. Exactly. <laughs> so, there's a few universities that um, offer more heterodox teachings. Mm -hmm. Of course, they're not the well-known universities, you know? Right. Do you, do you have one in mind? Um, yeah. Uh, well, if you want to go to one of the sort of, you know, cool universities that is well-known, the mm. one would be the New School in New York. The New School? Yeah, that's a really cool uni. Uh-huh. But it, 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 well, it also seems like the kind of university that sort of middle-high class uh, white kids go to, you know what I mean? That are like a bit alternative, <laughs> you know? <laughs> middle-high class white kids, hmm. But alternative as well. Hmm. I wonder if I know any of those. <laughs> right? I, so, I so us. Um, yeah, the other one that I liked is the Berlin School of Economics and Law, which no one's ever heard of. No, never. Is that private? No, it's public. Is that free university? Freie University? No, that's a famous university. But oh, <laughs> that one. The <I> see. <laughs> the Berlin School is, is not. I don't. I don't think it's very known. I don't know. I've never seen it announced anywhere. It's just because I looked specifically for heterodox universities. Mm -hmm. I found out that there are not so many. There's a few in the UK, but I can't afford the UK. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, Berlin mm -hmm. it is. Well, I mean, I don't know. Uh, next year, after a few months, when I figure out whether we can get a job or not, and, and mm -hmm. start saving and finance our next year of life. Right. Yeah. I mean, let's let's get back to this for a bit. Here's here's what I think is going to happen. Right. I think. We're gonna be in the shit for at least another two months. Like I don't see anything about Easy, this. Yeah, definitely. Like at least, and this is really just like the the bottom line. Wait, right? we're, we're we're in April now. Yeah. Okay. April second. Um, so until the end of June, you think? I I think we're gonna be in this at least until the beginning of June. Mm -hmm. And 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 you know even if things start to pick up, let's say on June first, uh, all the governments in Europe say, all right, you can all go back to work we will have had such a big impact on the economy that I don't think we can go back to life as we had it before. Like all the money that isn't being made right now, um, and, and I'm only talking about like, let's say Western Europe, Germany, the Netherlands, Belgium, fairly affluent, very affluent countries um, where there's, you know, large government help programs. 
where you know there's uh, deposits into people's bank accounts or there's some sort of protection or you know rents like all kinds of different governments are doing different things now at the same time you're gonna have Italy and Spain and Spain what 25% youth unemployment before this whole shit happened was it something like that like some crazy number of youth yeah, unemployment. Yeah, depends on the regions, yes. Yeah, right? Some regions. Then you have an, an extremely fragile economy in, in those countries, which are part of the Eurozone also. I got to do that in a second. But for now, let's just look at the regional differences. You have a few countries that are going to come out of this fairly okay. Germany, Netherlands. Germany. Germany didn't make any new debts in the, fa in the past four years or something like that. So they've already been saving money. Um, they can use this now, right? A lot of people are criticizing them. Hey, you guys should be spending money. And Germany was always like, no, we don't want to, you know, incur any new debts. Now it's coming in handy for them. But at the same time, what is what is Italy going to do? What is Spain going to do? What is Greece going to do? Right? Their economy is taking such a huge hit right now, right? So that's the first big difference. But then also, they're all using the euro. They're all using the euro. What does that mean? It means that so the central bank, first of all, the European Central Bank. Their interest rate before this started was already zero, which mm -hmm. I don't understand. I don't know if you have an explanation for this. Like, why is their interest rate zero? That makes no it's sense. It's because it want, they want to encourage lending. So invest investment. The, the European Central Bank wants to encourage investment. Basically, the, the interest rate tells you how much you make on your money if you keep it in the bank. If you have zero interest rates, Essentially, you're not, you're, you're, it doesn't, it's not worth it to keep your money in the bank right. because you can invest it exactly. anywhere else and even if you make a 0 0.5 return, yeah. you're but still making a return. Isn't, isn't the problem with that? I mean, what would happen in any economy? Like, why, why isn't the Fed, like, why isn't the federal, uh, the central bank of the United States, the Fed, why aren't they doing that? They, they, they have done it before. And um, they might even be doing it right now. I, like, the the interest rates in the US are not zero, between, but they're low. So the Fed is, ha is hovering between zero and 0 0.25% right that's now. That's nothing. That's literally yeah, nothing. They, they, they slashed it, but they're doing this in a time of crisis. What I don't understand is why the European Central Bank was already at that level because before this whole shit started. Since the sovereign debt crisis, we've been trying to stimulate investment, and it, it, it hasn't really worked. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we've, so it's not like no one has been investing. All the fucking rich people have been hoarding their fucking money <laughs> in in vaults or buying houses or cars or whatever yeah. assets that appreciate or whatnot. Right. Um, so yeah, no one's been investing, okay. doing productive Cause, cause things. Because to me, because I didn't look this up before the show, or I didn't, I didn't look this up ever. This was just something that I kind of took for granted. So I figured figure it out later. So what you're telling me is, since 2008, the European Central Bank has had a interest rate of zero percent. Maybe not zero percent, but low, very low interest right. rates for sure. Right, because zero percent. What I remember from econ classes and just because I, I observe um, the U.S. Like I, that's just kind of my focus. I know a little bit more about how their uh, capitalist system works. Maybe also because it's a more true capitalist system, and like the European Union is sort of twisted with like different instances and different countries, different levels. The U.S. is pretty straightforward, and in the U.S. Um, you definitely don't have a situation where over years and years and years, especially when the economy is booming, um, you would just leave the interest rate at 0%. You would increase it again, because otherwise you have overinvestment, right? If the economy is booming, yeah, yeah, then you might want to raise interest rates so right. that it doesn't get too hot. Exactly. And suddenly ends up exactly. exploding with inflation. Yeah, and, and yeah. that seems to not have been the same strategy here in Europe. 
In what sense? What do you mean? In, in the sense that the, uh, the interest rate was already this low um, before the crisis started. Because the economy before was this doing crisis well. started, before, like this Corona yeah, crisis, yeah, 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 it was so, already low, yeah, right. So kind of to go back to what I was going on about earlier. So then, what the European Central Bank did before the German governments and all the national governments, right? They started to say, okay, we're going to um, inject money into the economy, right? Like they started to, I think it was something like 150 billion that they wanted to, or like the ECB. The European Central Bank, yeah. So what they announced was a 750 billion package. Right. 750 billion. Where does that money come from? Um, you're the central bank, you can print it. Right, exactly. So all of a sudden that is inflation. And that's going to hit it, these countries disproportionately. Not necessarily inflation. Is it not necessarily inflation? It potentially could lead to inflation, but depends on a number of factors. And if it does lead to inflation, there's ways to control it. Mm. You can raise taxes, for example. But the thing is, there's no input in the economy now. So what are you raising taxes on? If people aren't making money and you raise taxes on them? Because supposedly that stimulus package should go to people uh -huh. or to businesses, small and medium enterprises that cannot pay the salaries of their workers whilst they're not working or that need to pay rent. And, and Right. But that seems like a closed system. The government is giving money to the people who are meant to pay people. The people who get that money, which isn't for anything that they do, like they're not producing any goods to export, they're not producing anything that'll benefit other businesses, they just kind of get it in their bank account, right? Mm -hmm. just, just to kind of survive. The idea is that they would start spending it again, right, on, on, on things and just kind of keep the economy going. But isn't there then like this, this sort of gap where like you're just kind of like, like, yes, but it almost seems like you can... Andrew Yang. You can. It almost seems like it's like okay, you just get a check. It's the same idea as a UBI, but for yeah. like three months. Yeah, yeah. So it's a UBI for three months. Pretty or like for two months. much. I depends because I don't know exactly what the ECB is gonna do. I, I think there should be a UBI, mm -hmm. but I don't know exactly how the ECB is gonna spend that money. But okay, so the thing is, like, I'm thinking about this now from the point of view of economic theory, and that's actually a very big debate in economic theory, whether governments or well, central banks can simply just print money. Mm -hmm. um, there's, well, they can. They, they can, they mm -hmm. definitely can. But um, it, there's a question about whether it's desirable or not. And some, some theories hold that central banks actually can print as much money as they want. There's no limit to mm -hmm. it. And uh, I kind of like that idea as well. But um, again, I'm not an expert on that topic, so I'm not going to go any further on that. Mm -hmm. But um, with respect to the southern versus northern countries right so you have the southern economies mainly spain and italy mm -hmm. who are suffering disproportionately from this crisis because they was they were the ones where the virus spread um and their economies are, are, are going to be very very um in shambles yeah basically yeah so what these countries are saying and we had a, a, there was a meeting not, not long ago i think it was like last week I wasn't invited. I wasn't invited either. Fuck. Yeah, fuckers. But yeah, so the, the meeting, um, Italy and Spain, with the support of Portugal, of um, France... Of Eurobonds. Exactly. Right, go on. Sorry. They went and said, yo, we want some Eurobonds. Yeah. And Germany and the Netherlands, Germany like since forever has hated the idea of, having, of issuing common debt. H hang on, hang on. So like obviously we both totally know what your bonds are like I totally know what that is but like maybe someone who's listening right. isn't so maybe you can explain it to them. Euro like bonds is know. just 
public P debt. Public debt exactly. So normally you would have national governments issue bonds and so you're buying the bond of Spain so it, because Spain is considered more risky than than Germany if it, then the, the Spanish government would have to put out bonds with uh -huh. higher um, rates of return which means that the Spanish government would have to pay more to right. to borrow money than Germany would yeah right because Germany is considered a safe country so Germany doesn't have to pay a lot to borrow money right whereas Spain does mm -hmm. so the idea is that you can eliminate a lot of that a lot of that risk and allow southern countries to borrow at much lower rates mm -hmm. um, and have that debt sort of be backed by the ECB, the European Central Bank. Right. And supposedly, for what I've heard, that wouldn't um, cause very significant increases in the rates at which northern countries are borrowing. Hmm. But wouldn't it? No, because it's backed by the ECB, which is considered the strength of the, of the EU as a whole, not just the independent mm -hmm. country. Mm -hmm. The strength of the EU. Which right now right. seems horrible, right? Yeah. But economically, we are still one of major powers, you know? If you have major to... powers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I found that, uh, that, um, that reunion super intense because, yeah, Spain and Italy came up there and they were like, yeah, we want the Eurobonds. Reunion? Uh, meeting, sorry, in Spanish they have reunion. Oh, like rendezvous in French. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah like the, just a meeting. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, And then, yeah, so the Netherlands was like, fuck <laughs> I thought no. It was like a debt, like a crisis reunion. No. Like, <laughs> we, <laughs> we here again, 10 year anniversary, let's bail some bankers out. And that would, Merkel is see, like, I'm you, still here, bitches. <laughs> did you see the news um, that the ECB is someone, like regulator? Ask the banks not to give out excessive bonuses this year because it'd be, you know, not very socially responsible. Oh, God. But you even have to say that. But yeah, anyway, so Germany and the Netherlands were like, fuck you guys, we're not doing bonds. <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> and, yeah. and then um, I, I, I read about a conversation that someone important in, in the EU came up to the, to the Spanish president and he was like, you know, patting him on the back, being like, yeah, mm. so are we okay, Pedro? And Pedro just said, no, Michel. I know his name was like Michel or something. Mm -hmm. He was like, no, we're not. This is unacceptable. And like those strong words, you know, that strong stance that even Italy took as well. Mm -hmm. And and Portugal said uh, of the Dutch uh, finance minister that his words were disgusting. How could yeah. he so like, you know. Yeah. And he even had to admit it. I think today he came out uh, saying, yeah, I'm sorry. My words did not show any what solidarity. Did he say? Basically, it boiled down to saying that Spain and Italy was their own fault that, that their situation was Fuck like that, and that wrong. you know they that fucking up. They didn't and have for to... for the Dutch to say this, I mean, we know how fucking lax they were with this in the beginning. I think the Dutch got lucky. They, yeah. I think the Dutch got lucky. Yeah, because the situation now here is not too bad. It's not too bad, but I think that's almost like we had this one outbreak here in the south of the country for carnival when people travel to whatever i don't know what the city's called yeah and then north close to maastricht yeah. where it was in maastricht and then they traveled back and then something happened there people caught it there but italy man like there was just this whole region that was infested within a couple of yeah. a couple of days right and i think to some extent the netherlands was just lucky had they been hit like italy I think the Netherlands would have taken a huge hit, especially yeah. because right now you still see like a lot of people walking around acting like nothing is going on. Like, I'm not saying, oh, by the way, every time I'm in the park, yes, I go to the park, sue me. Um, <laughs> every time I'm in the park, the only people I see hanging out in large groups are old people. Old people? Yeah. And so I, one of two things must be the case. Either 
they're so ignorant that they really don't think they'll get it and they'll be like, oh no, but I've known her for 40 years, like, no way she has it. Or, <laughs> or they're like, fuck it. Like, we had a good run. If this is gonna be it, it's gonna be it. But we're not gonna, like, you're not gonna stop us from playing bridge or chess or whatever the fuck old people do. Yeah. Get high in the park. I don't know. Yeah, they don't. They don't seem to care that much, right? Yeah. So they're and, the only ones I see. Meanwhile, like I'm, I'm chilling here at home. You know, I haven't bought any face masks or anything like that. And I have my mom telling me she's sending me videos about how to make your own face mm. masks with mm. like plastics and shit. Wow. <laughs> she's like going crazy. So she, she's like an at-risk patient. So at risk patient. Oh right. So she cannot get corona. Mm. Otherwise, mm. she's like she's like, she has like Shit. risk of death or something. Yeah. So she's full on psycho on this. Yeah, I mean, I would be if I was at risk. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. But. <laughs> okay. So. Um. Oh, I hope she doesn't hear this. It's okay. I won't send her this episode. Um. You do you. Yeah, but so wait, what were we talking about? Uh, I think we were just talking about like uh, you were talking about eurobonds. You were explaining how the Dutch finance minister said oh, bad right, things, right, and right, then right. the Spanish guy was like, "No market, we are not okay." <laughs> yeah, no, that was it basically. Just uh, like the Netherlands and Germany are being bitches. Um, that's you know that actually the Italian the Italian government got super pissed off and they issued a statement, um, you know, going against the Germans, hmm. um, saying that. Uh, hello, London Accords, 1950s, we forgave all of your debts, and then look look at what economic position mm. you're in now. Mm. So they're saying, we had solidarity with you in the 50s, you were mm. like riddled with debt, and we forgave all mm. of your debt. Um, yeah. Do the same for us, that's basically what they were saying. Yeah, I, I do have to say, I don't, I'm, there are instances where I'm very content with how there's collaboration across borders. Like I know that there's Italian and French patients in German hospitals right now. There's instances where I'm obviously not content, which is this this eternal struggle of the EU to not really understand its place in to what extent it, it like connects the countries and to what extent the countries still have. Right. There's there's no blueprint for a situation like this. I don't know if there's an EU con pandemic contingency plan. I doubt there's an EU contingency plan. And if there is one, I know that all the national uh, pandemic contingency plans take precedent over that one. Like in, in no scenario with the EU, which should act like this, this is kind of the one-on-one. Like when you think of a supranational institution like the EU, what's the one thing they should probably be in charge of? They should probably be in charge of things that you have to fight in, internationally. Yeah. Climate change, a pandemic like this, like those are the top things that the EU should be in yeah, charge and, of. Uh, yeah, actually, and those are also the top things that they fail at the most. Yeah, it seems almost like the EU has powers everywhere where it shouldn't and it doesn't have powers where it should, you know? Hmm. So the reason why the EU wasn't able to re respond better in terms of medical assistance or investment in, in, in health sector or things like that is because health policy or uh, how, how do you call that? Um, yeah, health policy. Yeah, is considered the domain of member states. Mm. And that's something that member states insisted upon uh, in the many treaties that have been signed. Mm. Healthcare is part of the national you know, so yeah. the budget so that it's always going to be up to them. So the EU couldn't do much in, in that sense. Mm. What they could do is ECB and, and maybe the commission as well, mm. how much money they're putting in. Although that's what we say now. Yeah. But like ECB, freaking like a euro, a, like a one currency for a bunch of countries, that must have been unheard of when they proposed it. Like well, I'm sure if you go back to like the 80s. Do you have the states? The states? Right. Well, that's, a, like, that's just a, a, a federal system right but many many 
would say that originally the, the creators of the EU had something similar in mind. Mm. But of course, many governments weren't willing to, to give up so many powers. Mm. Yeah. And, and uh, European, who was? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember who it was. Yeah. But it, 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 what you say is interesting. When we were studying the EU, you remember, right? All of our textbooks um, always said basically that the EU had been in crisis since it was created. Yeah. Just crisis after crisis after crisis. Mm. Um, it's just a permanent state of, uh, is is the EU going to be over next year or we're mm. going to keep on going? And mm. so miraculously it has, you know, kept and on new going. applicants now. Yeah. Uh, like, what is it, Macedonia? I don't or know. The, like the, the, there's a few possible? countries that are, like, uh, up for accession. Like, yeah. Turkey's still there. It's been there for well, years. We're just, yeah. we're just fucking bullying them, but... Bullying? Yeah, I think so. How... So, okay, maybe maybe we'll let you exceed, maybe not. Hey, how about you take a shit ton of refugees so that we don't see any brown people inside our borders? And we'll keep considering access, you know, like, ah, actually, yeah, you to the EU. Sounds, that sounds kind of like the EU. And now you have a Turkey with a shit ton of refugees that... But, okay, in the EU's defense, because we're still, you know, like, come on. Like, okay. my homie EU, like my homie Brussels. <laughs> um... I do still think there's a bunch of other reasons why the, why Turkey shouldn't be allowed into the EU. Like, if you just look at, like, the state of the democracy in that country. Like, how Erdogan is essentially a dictator now, which Yeah, is, but that's something that... Or human rights violations, happened. freedom of press... I think in the... I mean, look at how they're the, dealing with the corona crisis right now. They're not publishing yeah, anything. Um, no, yeah, I know, I know that, but... I have to say the Erdogan thing is something that started not that long ago. His sort of move towards more and more authority. You're saying it's a reaction to. It's uh, I th I think after not it's not a reaction to. I don't think mm. Erdogan um, does or anything that he does based on what the EU does. You know, but um, what? So like that's a bold statement. I, I mean, back that up. <laughs> Like I don't think Erdogan bases his whole domestic policy or what he or or what his government is doing mm. on what the EU is doing. You know, he's obviously focused on, right. on Turkey issues. Yeah. Uh, not not necessarily on the EU. But um, what was it like 2016 that um, he got uh, elected again or that they passed this uh, legis uh, legislation that gave him like more powers? Or oh, that was like two years ago, 2018 or 19. Right. Um, so I I would say it's probably around maybe I don't know 2016 that he started to mm. become more authoritarian or something like that. But, um, what were we talking about again? Well, we went to Turkey and then we, before we were talking about the EU and you were saying that the EU's in everything that they shouldn't be in and they're not in the thing. Yeah, that's that also they... like not true, but it, it, it almost seems like it. Yeah, it, almost, it, it does almost seem like that. Um, basically... But let me ask you a different question. Yeah. Because I also think a lot of this can sound a little bit like escapism. At the end of the day, a guy ate a bat Right? And now we're fucking like stuck with this virus. Name one economic system that would have just been like, fine, yeah, we can totally, like, that's no problem at all. Um, I don't know, because we haven't had many different economic systems. Right, but like, e even like, like if, if we think about the, the purest and like, you know, best versions of communism, the best versions of anarchy, can we really make the state, or can we really even reasonably assume that this whole crisis would have been handled dramatically better? Yeah. And, and why is so. that? Uh, well, first of all, if you look at it from the point of view of degrowth, 
if we had an economy that wasn't focused on growth, we wouldn't be producing those many physical material things, you know? So a lot of our economy would be based on more of the knowledge economy, definitely things that can be done by at home. Hmm. You know, there's a lot of people that can work at home hmm. in an economy that's much more knowledge-based or based on maybe perhaps on the arts, like writing, things like that. Um, it's an economy that can withstand this kind of crisis much better. Hmm. Of course, some levels of material production are never going to be um, eliminated. You always need food, you need clothes, mm. you need entertainment things, I don't know, video games, shit like that, computers, what or not. But the impact would have been less. Mm. Um, an economy that also has better buffers to absorb shocks, so for example UBI, um, would react better. Um, why? Because demand after the crisis wouldn't be as constrained. Mm. If people have to take money out of their savings to survive uh, this four months that they don't have a job and yeah. they cannot get money, then of course they're going to have to cut their spending once the crisis is over. Absolutely. And that means that people are not going to be spending money afterwards, businesses are not going to be getting money, they're going to be investing less and they're going to lay off people. You know? Sure, yeah. So an economy that, that is prepared for this kind of situations that where everyone has some, some disposable income would be better or perhaps um, an, an economy where you have much more house ownership and properties much more widely distributed would be better as well. Uh, why? People wouldn't have to worry about rent. Mm. You know, they already have their house, properties mm. widely distributed. So, you know, there are many ways in which uh, a different economic system could help us in this crisis. Mm. Of course, none of them would be able to deal with it perfectly. Right. But many alternative economic systems would deal with it better, I think. Hmm. I, I always have a very hard time really picturing drastically different economic systems. Yeah. Because I do tend to, and this is coming from someone who is fairly left wing, as you know, this is like I, I just really have a hard time detaching sort of like the the past problems of these systems from my understanding of the the pure ideological and the pure theoretical framework of them. And I understand that you know, uh, Soviet Union, China in the seventies, sixties, eighties, like yes, there was a lot of pressure from the United States. Um, and, and the United States certainly did their part in, in trying to sabotage the communist project and like, and like, you know, communist ideas, but you can't put that all on, on the U.S. Like a lot of, a lot of things that happen in these sort of, and, and I'm just saying communism just as an example of, of alternative systems, but this could also be anarchy. This could be any type of different system. They all still like every, every, every thing, every system that did happen still kind of fucked up by themselves. I mean, mm -hmm. for, for instance, one of these arguments is that, you know, China, uh, created so much wealth and like so many people are not poor anymore, you know? Yeah. But like the great leap forward and the cultural revolution claimed tens of millions of people's lives. Right. So like people die and die and die. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm just very hesitant to, to kind of escape into like the, the opposite side of this system and kind of say we need like these big structural reforms because of this one instance, this pandemic that, um, that is going wrong. And obviously climate change is, is another one. My question is why go the radical way and why not do something like, like a Bernie way, like a Bernie Sanders way where you're trying to slowly change the system with like a, like why hard revolution versus slow revolution? That I don't necessarily think that you need to go towards a hard revolution straight away. I that's why 
I'm happy with politicians like Bernie Sanders um, that I know not everything is going to change with your policies, but some things are going to change. To me, that's that's enough. It's a step in the right direction. Um, of course, it, it does mean that you can never stop working, that you're constantly trying to push more and more and more. But yeah, I, I do believe in gradual change. Uh, there are some anarchist writers that did as well. I think it was Proudhon, the one who also believed that you could little by little change institutions in society and move it towards a different system. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you could start by redesigning the monetary and financial system. Once you've done that, now you can try to change uh, productive relations. So remuneration, for example, ownership of means of production. Mm. Once you're done with that, you can change the basis of the economy. We're going to move towards a degrowth economy. You, you can do that in different mm. stages. That's, mm. that's for sure. I don't, I don't think it needs to be, and I actually don't think it's even possible to, to radically change. Uh, no. Cause, uh, and I think an idea will, would be that society owns means of production, but to do that, you would certainly have to start expropriating mm. every factory that exists. And I just don't think that can happen. Mm. So it needs to be done gradually. One right. way that could happen, for example, is that little by little states buy up um, these companies and then distribute them to wherever the company is based, mm. local governance structures that would manage all these means of production for, let's say, cooperatives. Mm. So you would people would say, we need this factory, and they'd say, okay, this uh, you can you can use the factory, but you need to pay the, the, the maintenance costs, and you need to make sure that when you're done with the factory, it's it's perfectly fine for anyone else to use it, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, those are transitions that I think will have to happen slowly, but definitely faster than they are happening now. Right. I mean, we can all agree that this this crisis definitely showed flaws in our current system yet again yeah no that that that's for sure i mean our system is shit um i, I don't know how anyone can doubt this at this at this point in time it's uh, massively unequal rich people keep getting richer people um poor people are, are getting exploited uh we start having less security in jobs since the 19 you know the 80s you know since mm. reagan and thatcher um, more precarious jobs, uh, loss of bargaining power of labor, which means that we have no power to ask for higher wages or things like that. Uh, privatization, which means that we're paying more for things that we shouldn't be paying and that people who want quality, free education cannot get it. Hmm. You know, the system is broken. And that's only talking about Western problems, hmm. you know, because I'm, I'm talking about it from the point of view of someone who lives in Spain or, some, or, or in the Netherlands mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. or whatnot. But, um, Problems with capitalism are just near infinite, I would say. Mm. And it's also a system that is prone to crisis. So you're always going to have to go through this very horrible crisis and they accelerate and they, become, they, they start happening faster and they're worse than they used to be. Mm. Especially you, because did, the economy is very connected, you know, now. Right. Probably. Did you see there was this guy in Texas, some politician? Wait, how long have we been recording? 50 minutes now. Okay, that's okay. We'll wrap it up in a bit. Yeah. And there was this guy in Texas, politician, who um, who basically said that old people would be glad to die for people to go back to work. Like he's saying, right? They so would because, rather yeah. like die for the Dow, which I think is a pretty cool band name, or like a kind of like a. Oh, well, that's a kind of sad thing to say, isn't it? A bit horrible. Yeah, it's 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 that <laughs> that I don't think that would really happen here in Europe. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I can't really, I can't really see people going like, fine, yeah, I mean, like, the stock market need, needs to flourish, let's, you know, let's you die. Kill some old people, yeah, yeah. definitely. That, that seems like a radical, radically American idea. 
it's that horrifying. One. I, I read in an article as well that we might be the first generation in a while that is poorer than their parents. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. Except my parents aren't that rich, so... <laughs> Mine are not so, either, so, you know... So not great. <laughs> yeah, they've definitely struggled, you know? Bill Gates' son is probably like, oh, probably okay. Probably be alright. But how, how are you holding up? How's the isolation been going for you? I think isolation's relatively okay. Um, except for the fact that I live in a country where smoking joints is legal. And me being trapped and mm. not really having anything to do means that I that I smoke a lot. Yeah. But we received a very nice package from my roommate's mom today. She sent us a puzzle, some Play-Doh, some popcorn, and a machine that makes popcorn. A machine that makes popcorn? It's tiny. It's a tiny machine that makes well, popcorn. Well, that kind of makes popcorn redundant that she sent. No, okay, it doesn't make popcorn from scratch. You need to put the, oh, okay. the little grains, you know. Oh, okay. The, Old fashioned. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just gonna start making puzzles, I guess, and I'm trying to write my thesis, but it's impossible. Oh I'm yeah, easily same. Distracted. I feel you. Completely. I I put in 30 minutes of work today, which is pretty like that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. And the thing is, yeah. I'm interested in my topic. Like this, yeah. it, it's not even like. Same. I, like, I'm talking about the topic. It's so related yeah. to this, and I love it. And I just right. I can't. Yeah, it's it's really hard to focus. I've been I've been finishing a bunch of video games. I'm playing a, I'm playing a cool game with a friend called The Forest. Have you heard of it? No. Basically, the Forest. The Forest. You're stranded on an island, uh, and like there's monsters and like there's a cave system and like there's weird clues that you find everywhere. So like, it's like Lost. I've heard of that show, but I've never watched <laughs> it. But I guess it's I guess it's like that. So yeah, and that's that's kind of what I'm filling my time with. And again, I try to go out to the park every day. Um, I try to make music, I try to work out, but it's just, it drags on and yeah, on. Like, yeah. I need people. I'm not made for that. Who would have thought you'd say that? Well, no, I definitely, like, need people. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I thought I'd be fine, and I think that I, I'm fine. It's just that sometimes I go a little bit crazy, but that's it. Well, that's normal. Who thought, know. huh? The, <laughs> I, I think we're going to be fine. Yeah? Mm. Well, yeah, let's end it on a, on a positive note. I mean... That can't hurt. We're all going to be good. Everything we just said about like how our system sucks and we're all going to implode and climate change is going to just like give us that final uh, final hit and we're all going to die from terrible environment. Forget about that. We'll be fine. <laughs> we'll be fine. Sure. Well, I guess this is the end of the podcast then. Yeah, sure. I, I don't I don't really know what we spoke about. I think we tried no. to speak about if you prices. if you stuck with us until now, it means either it's it's either it's one of three things. Either we're total geniuses and like what we just said was super brilliant. Which I doubt. It's pretty unlikely. Mm-hmm. Or um you just like listening to our voices, which I don't know why you would do that. Or three, you're so fucking bored that you just sat through the whole That is kind of like that you, you know? just sat through the whole podcast. But if you stuck with us this far, we'd be happy to hear from you if you have any input about Eurobonds or Turkey or any of the stuff that we talked about. Um, message us and we'll give you a shout out in the next podcast and talk about whatever note you'll give us. And yeah, do you have anything to add? No. That's it. Mhm. All right, short and sweet. Okay, guys. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.